the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, family. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. So pleased to speak with you this week. We are continuing on with the topic of a church in peril, peril in the church, and family. We're going to talk about what a great danger that the family is in in this world and in the church as well. You may not think that. But we laughed off last week. We were addressing perils that were threatening the family of God's people, his church. Christian pollster George Barner had this observation to make. And let me begin with this point of view. He's being interviewed, and the interviewer, in a recent interview, he's asking George his outlook for hope in America. And he says to him, uh, George, the pastors are going in the wrong directions in our churches here. Is there any entity, any group within our culture capable of leading the people back to God? Great question. And George answers this way. He goes, well, you know, it's interesting We found that the big value in America is the family, the value group, the people. It's the family, the American family. And he says, I think that we need to look at the family of faith in America, those people and those groups that truly are beholden to God's word as truth and that are trying to live it out. And I love the answer. I believe Barna has it right. The solution to restoring any possibility of righteousness in America is going to be in the church family. And God, he loves families. He creates family. Unfortunately, it's also Satan's ground zero target for destroying our country and our church. And he's succeeding quite well, whether it's through planned parenthood, communism, you know, communism, they've substituted the state for God and the communists, they uh, use laws. They'll make laws to go ahead, and uh, that's what lawlessness is. It's the enacting of laws that violate the commandments of God. And uh, I'm thinking socialism. Socialism, they use the law, whereas communism, they use force to make you comply. And so it's a form of government that removes God as the central theme and replaces God with the state, and we are fast-tracking that right now. So socialism will use laws to get you to conform to their godless society, their godless lawlessness behavior, and communism uses force to make you conform to that. Uh, There's divorce in the families. There's public education where we're teaching our children. We're raising them as non-family friendly. We are redefining the family in our schools. We've got a judicial system that is at war against the American family, our Congress. And even the American church now, the church in America, is siding with those that are destroying our families. 
And the target is the destruction of the American family. And yes, I did make a mistake when I included the church in there with those others. Uh, the American church is just as complicit in its efforts to destroy our families. It's unwittingly being done. But I told you earlier that Satan, he's witnessing for his kingdom right under our noses in our local churches under the guise of righteousness. And, you know, we need to be aware of this stuff. I grew up Catholic. And as a Catholic growing up in the 1950s and 1960s and 1970s, we went to church. They didn't have children's church. They didn't have classes for teenagers. You went to church on Sunday morning and you sat in the pews with mom and dad. I remember as a little kid, I sat there quietly. And the lessons learned are invaluable. I did not need to go to a type of special children's church where they would teach me how to play games, maybe feed me a cookie, maybe even give me a Bible verse. I sat there under the discipline and the authority of mom and dad who were subject to the discipline and the authority of the Holy Spirit in that church setting. The lessons I learned, whether it was from what they taught me or not, it was just being in the presence of God with mom and dad. You know, that doesn't happen in families anymore. We don't eat together, right? We don't sit down. We don't go to church together. When we do go to church, they got the boys over here, the girls over there. They even separate mom and dad. We got classes for wives, classes for husbands, classes for children, classes for big children, fat children, skinny children, black children, white children. We break everything down. We've got classes for singles, classes for older singles, classes for young married, classes for more mature married. We've got classes for lesbians. We got classes for homosexuals. I mean, you name it, we've got it. We have divided our family by every imaginable difference that we have, and that's being done in the church by the church. I'm sorry. I don't believe in children's church. I don't care if you've got a newborn. You go to church and you stay in church. The family is anointed to live in the presence of God as a family unit. I turned out just fine. Once Jesus got a hold of me, hallelujah. <laughs> But it's important. The lessons that we learn as a family, sitting in his presence together. Me, watching my dad. I know my dad worked hard. My dad busted his butt. And to see him putting money in an envelope there, he bled for that money. He worked hard. He had a heart attack working so hard. And yes, he came in Sunday morning and he still put bucks in the envelope to give to the work of the Lord. That taught me I don't have to worry about tithing or giving or love offerings. Dad taught me that. He he could have told me that all day long. But when I saw them do it, I saw mom and dad quiet because the presence of God was in the house. What a lesson that was. You respect the presence of the Lord. They could have told me that, but I watched them do it Sunday after Sunday, year after year after year. They were disciplined by the Lord God, and I loved it. And you can't teach that. I'm sorry. What is it? More is caught than is taught. Well, they gave truth to that statement. And we need to quit dividing up our families in our churches. I'll just get it out there. It's not a popular view. People may oppose me on it. I, I really don't care. I know what worked for me. I know God's plan for families. You do not divide families. It's that simple. But we made it easy to divide families. Once again, it's Satan's ground zero target for destroying our country and our churches. Whether it's Planned Parenthood or whether it's a governmental system of uh, socialism, divorce, public education, whether it's the judicial system, our Congress, the laws we pass, or the American church, our family is under assault. Regarding our nation and our government, founding father Benjamin Rush put it this way. He was also the father of public education in America. He said this, if we ever lose control of our government, our government will become the greatest enemy of the American family. Is it not so? 
Look at the laws they're passing. We don't even know what gender we are anymore. We're giving our children the ability to choose their own gender outside of the parents' discretion. Uh, abortion. You don't think that's an enemy of the family, the government making abortion legal, homosexual marriage? I mean, come on. The family unit is being destroyed and the church needs to come to its defense. We need to stand up tall. You know, that's why there's gangs, right? They tell you all the time that these gangs in the streets, it's a family relationship for them because they've opted out of their own family relationship. And it's it's something that the church needs to address You know, concerning the American church, we heard Benjamin Rush talked about the fact if we ever lose control of our government, it will become the greatest enemy of the American family. Well, I might paraphrase it this way. If the Holy Spirit ever loses control in the American church, then the church will become the greatest enemy of the American family as well. And that's exactly what's happening. We substitute man's wisdom and presence for the presence of the Holy Ghost. We've done away with the counsel of God. We substitute our own wisdom, our own strength, our own understanding for the Holy Spirit. We don't need the Holy Spirit. He alone is the wonderful counselor and everything else the church needs. Look at this verse in Isaiah eleven two. It talks about the ministry gift upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon the Messiah. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of strength, the spirit of knowledge, and of the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. That is the Holy Spirit in ministry upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? If the Holy Spirit is in ministry upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and then Jesus Christ sends the Holy Spirit to live in the church, then we have that same sevenfold Spirit abiding in us too. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of strength, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. That's in Isaiah 11, 2. God's Holy Spirit has all the wisdom that the church needs. He's got all the strength that the church requires, and he lives in us. We lean too often to our own understanding. You know the scripture, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge God, and he will direct your path. Well, it's not right that we have forsaken him. We have failed to seek God. And see what happens when we fail to seek God? You know, according to the divine power, God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has equipped us for everything. But when we walk away from God, when we deny his Holy Spirit's right, his authority in our churches by coming up with man's ideas, we lose that. That verse in Isaiah represents or rather describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. He gave the same spirit to be our indwelling presence as children of God in the Holy Spirit in everything today's church needs, the Holy Spirit has it, you know, and we've been blessed with all things that do pertain to life. That's in the realm of the spirit and God in the realm of the flesh, in the realm of the spirit. We've got everything we need. Too often we have spurned God's wisdom and we've used our own understanding and we've relied upon our own counsel and failed to walk in his strength. Man's knowledge trumps our efforts to learn of God and to understand his ways. And it has led to us fearing man more than we fear God. It's led to an inherent lifestyle that's in that with the danger of drifting apart from God. And the result of that is America has built its own church. What did you say, Ron? I said, we, man, in America, we built another church. Jesus said, no, 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 revelation, truth, your understanding of the voice of the Spirit of God, him giving you spiritual understanding. That's how I'm going to build my church, says God. Well, that's not happening. We built our own church. We've turned our back on God. It's amazing. We've left the house that God's built. We've got our own church. 
Ed Young talks about the fact that probably 90% of churches in America are apostate. Well, that's the church that we're building. We're building it by man's wisdom, man's understanding, man's strength, fearing man more than fearing God. I could teach on this for weeks and I'm drifting, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to get back to families. Because we kicked out the Holy Spirit, man is now the boss in church, and that has led to dividing God's family, and that has birthed the curse of Christianity, religion. Our churches are real big on dividing up families. You know, we've got classes for everybody. Just let us walk in as a family. Let us sit down as a family. Let us take communion as a family. Let us hear the preacher. Let us sing the songs. Let us worship the Lord together as a family. I trust God's presence to get any message that I need, whether I'm a man or a woman, a boy, a girl, whether I'm an older couple, a single couple, whether the kid's one year old. God's Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of doing a better job of bringing in somebody else to teach the little kids about the Bible. Let the children hear the voice of the Lord. Let the children experience the presence of God with mom and dad, with their brothers, with their sisters. You know, if you want to break down our churches and the biggest problem in the church today, we've got all the insight that the world has. Ouch. And that's because we're following the world. Even love in the church is worldly. It's not biblical. If you want to break down our greatest peril at its root, it's because there is no true biblical love in today's church. I mean, you know, there's agape love and there's worldly love and there's tons of eros love, but there is little if any true biblical love. Our pastors surely don't love us. How can you say that, Ron? Well, remember what Paul did? We talked about it. What did holiness look like in Paul? He called out the sinners, right? He called out Peter. You know, what did love look like in Paul? Well, he kicked people out of the church that were living in sin. He treated us as his children. He represented God to us, and he held the word to our account over our lives, and he was not afraid to do it. That's true biblical love. It demonstrated love by calling out those who were living in sin, leaders who were scattering the sheep. They were seducing the sheep. Peter called out those who were fleecing the sheep. Jesus called out the sheep by rebuking the sheep when they were sinning. That's love, folks. We don't have that in our churches because we're too busy getting rich. We're too busy fearing man, staying out of trouble, trying to keep our doors open. That's not going on in our churches today. Why? Well, pastors don't love God can't love us because they don't love God. Diana and I teach this stuff to you because we love God. And because we love God, we love his word. And because we love God and we love his word, the love of God now has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Church is back in our lives because of God, because he's enabled us to love you. I can't love you of my own strength. That's finite. That lacks the power. But the Holy Spirit, the love of God in our hearts, he loves you through me. And it's God's love to you, absolutely, right? In my marriage. Okay, God uses me to love Diane. God uses me to love Diane for him. He shows me how to love her so that she can see him in me. Going back to Barna, included in Barna's research are comments and figures on the decrease in American church attendance. No question, we are losing Christians to the apostasy. That's a given. That's understood. Jesus said it would happen. Paul said it would happen. It's happening. Jude said it would happen. Without a doubt, Jesus and Paul said we would, and by golly, we are losing people to the apostasy. Though, while not addressing all who are quitting the church, some are leaving for other reasons, a recent post on Facebook helped shed some light, perhaps on the decrease in numbers in the local church attendance. Here's a quote. A growing number of people are leaving the institutional church for a new reason. They are not leaving because they have lost their faith. They are leaving the church 
to preserve their faith. Wow. That's because there's so much poison in our pulpits. That's why Diane and I are not in any local church today. There's a couple I could recommend. There's some that are good. I'm sure there are. I know a few. But I must admit, as we learn in our own group, as we study, our standard has been raised. We have developed such a wonderful relationship with the core group of 25, 30 people, however many people are in our group. They regularly come to our Bible studies. The folks, they're generous. They are loving. They are faithful. And we teach them the truth. We tell them the church is in peril, but none of us run. We will face the peril together as a church family. We will go through the fire as a church family. And just like the three Hebrew children, we will see Jesus in the peril, for the good shepherd will meet us in the midst of our peril. You know, we pass along these warnings from Jesus and Paul and Peter and Jude and from the Old Testament prophets and the writers as well. We know what's here. We know why it's here. And we know what's coming next. We don't run from the trials and the persecutions or the sufferings that we're going to face, but we also know it's there our faith is going to be made perfect. Where? In the trials, in the sufferings, in the persecutions, First Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, hallelujah, all grace, man's tried to add to that, no, leave it right where it is, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, that's where we're called to, eternal glory, and it's been done by Jesus. Well, after that, you have suffered a while. He will make you perfect. He will establish you. He will strengthen you, and he will settle you. But it's only after you have suffered a while. That doesn't preach well, but it should. If we truly know that we are a family, we will not hide the truth. We will not run from man. We will face any dangers, any perils that come, but we're going to do it together as a family. There's strength in unity. Proverbs 28.5. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. That's great. I have an ability to understand all things. I know what's going on at this point in my life. No, I don't understand all things, but I understand judgment. I understand that COVID was a judgment of God upon the churches for their lack of care, their lack of courage, their compromise and their cowardice. I get that. I know that. I don't need to wonder. People tell me, oh, God would never do that. Well, then you don't understand God. Why don't you understand God? Well, the scripture says it right here. Evil men understand not judgment. Duh. Right? But, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. And you got to be careful. There are many people that are seeking the Lord in the wrong place and they're winding up fellowshipping with devils. You must be so careful. You must seek the Lord. Where do you seek the Lord? How do you seek the Lord? Open the Bible. Read the book. Hallelujah. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is sharper than any sword, piercing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. The Word of God will tell you, will show you, this is carnal, this is flesh. No, this is spirit. This is truth. This is real. This is fake. This is good. This is evil. The Word of God living in you will show you that. That's seeking God, getting the Word of God in you. Remember, understanding is a part of the ministry of God's Holy Spirit upon Jesus and to his church. I expect the wicked not to understand God's judgment, but yes, I expect that the church should. I don't expect a pastor to stand up there and not recognize the judgment of God when it comes. The only way to not recognize the judgment of God when it comes is to not read your Bible and not fall into the truth pattern that's written in the Word of God, that when we sin, we run the risk of judgment. What is so hard about understanding that? 9-11, well, that was a judgment of God upon our nation, probably in direct relationship to our messing with Israel and trying to push them into signing agreements that would give up God's holy land. (sighs) You know, we're messing where we shouldn't be messing, and there's a price to pay. 
Like I said, I see COVID as a judgment of God upon the churches for their lack of care. We left our last church for reasons of self-preservation. I'm not going to sit under a preacher that's preaching poison. I don't need poison. I'm wise. I understand all things. I understand truth, and I know when it's not being preached to me. You know, I don't have to go into a restaurant and see that the meat may be rancid, that maybe there's bugs crawling on the vegetables. Good, I wasn't going to eat them anyway. But my point is, I don't have to be deceived. I don't have to live in lies. I can be wise in the Word of God. The Bible says also, remember the Holy Spirit, Isaiah eleven two, 2, uh, Spirit of wisdom. You get wisdom, you get strength, you get understanding, you get knowledge. I mean, these are the things that the Holy Spirit brings to the church. And if we would stay in the Word of God, we would stay out of trouble. Remember, we're talking about families. You know, we're fighting for your souls. Both God and Satan, they've got that in common. Both want your soul and something else that they have in common. Both are using the church to get it. That's amazing, right? It's why we're warning you guys. We're family. We love you. We really do love you. You know, I said this last week. How can my pastor tell me that he loves me and not fight for my soul when false doctrine comes in there? How can my pastor tell me he loves me and not do his due diligence in discerning evil from right? How can my pastor tell me he loves me and sit there and take my money? How can my pastor tell me he loves me and not get himself in the word of God where he falls prey to false religion and false doctrines? I mean... You know, Paul in Acts told the guys, he goes, look, I'm getting ready to leave. But after I leave you guys, some of you guys yourselves, you're going to be like ravenous wolves. You're going to rise up and you're going to devour the sheep. You're going to cause them to follow your false ministry. He says, you need to guard yourself. When you pray for your pastor, you make sure that you're praying that God is causing him to guard himself. It is so important. Nowhere in Scripture is it written that God said he would remove the false. He would remove the peril from the church. No, he leaves it in there. You know, the terrors. He's not going to remove the tares. He's not going to remove the evil from within the church assembly. It's left to us to discern what's true and what's false, what's error and what's real, and then deal with it. How? Just how the apostle Paul told us to deal with it. You call out sin. You rebuke error. You warn the saints that this is wrong. You are aware of the apostasy. You are aware of the deception. You read your Bible. You know your Bible. You know, the people in the Treasury Department, counterfeit money comes across their path. They never study the false. They never study the counterfeit. They sit in rooms all day long and they touch and they feel and they smell and they rub the money up against their foreheads and take it with their fingers and stick it by their nostrils. They know what real money is. They pay no attention to the false. They just saturate themselves in the real money so that when the false comes across, they know this is not real. It's got to be the same way with the Bible. God is not sovereign in the earth today. I know that's false. Why? Because I know the scripture is replete. The Bible is replete with verses and scenarios that demonstrate the sovereignty of God in the earth today at all times. That just rattles my bones. The fact that someone would actually promote that. You're only here by the grace of God. You didn't happen. You are not popped up into the earth from a slimy pool back in two billion years ago. No, you were created by God, the creator who loves you and wants you to know the truth. But when we start falling for these crazy things, man, we get all wacky. And one error leads to another error. You know, we wash ourselves in the washing water of the word and we understand truth. And when you understand truth, you get to know God because God is truth. God sent the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that God anointed Jesus Christ with, that sevenfold spirit of God in Isaiah 11 too. He's also called the spirit of truth. And I love that because when Jesus gave him to us, he says, I'm going to call him by his name. What's his name? His name is the spirit of truth. 
Nowhere is it written in Scripture that God removes these dangers and the faults. But a good shepherd, he'll walk with us in them. Remember, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Nebuchadnezzar's day, he threw them in the fiery furnace. And what happened? Jesus didn't water down the furnace. He didn't cool it down. He didn't put the fire out. No. And he didn't keep them from going in. He let them go in. He's the good shepherd. What did the good shepherd do? He went in there with them. Hallelujah. We need shepherds to start staying with us in the midst of the perils that we're going through. We need shepherds to have a heart for God where they understand the treasure that's in family and fight for our families, pray for our families, do everything possible to restore our families, to keep us as a family. That's what I'm talking about. We are family. I love our Bible study. We have the best people there. They are so good. They love each other. They pray for each other. They show up and they are hungry. The bond that keeps us together is truth. We come together to hear the truth. We love the truth. I have no agenda. I've got nothing to prove. I don't want your money. I don't need to build a name. I just want to do what God's told me to do, and I'm going to feed you truth. I feed you same truth that I feed them, and these people are wise, and they are not ignorant of what the devil does. We love you. We'll be back next week. Stay in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.